Hello, and welcome back to Why We Write Fantasy. My name is Oscar Sassene. And I'm KJ Aiello. And today we have a special guest. Yes, I'm so excited. Uh, I had uh, the amazing opportunity to interview Lynn Nguyen. She is a debut author. She's Vietnamese Canadian. Um, but first, before we get into that, Oscar, what are you reading? What are we reading? Okay, so after a brief pause, I I started the third book of the uh the First Law Trilogy by Joe Abercrombie. This is The Last Argument of Kings. I just started, like, I'm in, like, page 50-something. Uh, but again, I, I'm really loving the series. I already read the two books, uh, The Blade Itself and uh, Before They're Hanged. And this is the third one. Let's see Let's see how it goes. I'm pretty excited. I'm really, yeah. really loving it. Yeah. yeah. And it's, <laughs> I mean, it's what I like. It's grimdark fantasy. It's, like, uh, really... Uh, characters that are not good, not evil, but more like evil-ish. It's really cool. Yeah. And actually, I bought the the next trilogy. But when I'm when I'm done with this one, I'll start the other one. I'll keep everybody posted. Right. Uh, it's the author that you're really buying for. I'm actually point, yeah. I think like, it's one yeah. of the. I'm actually a little upset that I didn't find him earlier <laughs> in my life. So mm -hmm. I need to catch up. I'm kind of feeling the same way as you right now. So I feel like okay. People are going to lose it, but I have never read Brandon Sanderson before in my life. So I saw on Book Talk, actually, mm -hmm. no, it was Bookstagram, one of the Instagram reviewers, he was talking about Tress of the Emerald Sea, Brandon mm -hmm. Sanderson. So I was like, you know what? This sounds really cool. I loved the cover. I am a sucker for a good cover. Um, so this Tress of the Emerald Sea is kind of like one of Brandon Sanderson's outlier novels. And he wrote it as kind of just like an entertainment gift for his wife. Yeah. He he wrote it for her and she's like, this is so good. It needs to be published. And I, I woke up my husband last night because I was giggling so hard. It was just <laughs> so good. So I'm really like, I probably will finish it by the end of the weekend, but it's the writing is just so good. So I have a feeling I'm going to become a Brandon Sanderson fan. Um, and I think a lot of people are like, yeah, finally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's funny because every episode you say like, oh, I've never read like Ursula K. Le Guin. And this time you say, I've never read Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> so what have, what have you been reading, KJ? <laughs> I don't, like, what have I been reading? To be honest, like, I mean, let's go harken back to our very first episode where I <laughs> left fantasy behind in, you know, my teen years, in my adult yeah. years. And coming back to it in my late 30s was just such a gift. So now I'm discovering all all of these authors that everybody else is like, well, yes, welcome to yeah. the party. You're only years late, but I get to, to discover them for the first time. So I yeah. feel like people should be jealous of my journey. Um, <laughs> no, I don't think they should because they should have read it before. But to 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 add to your like, I've never read uh, Robert Jordan, and I just got the first one of the Wheel of Time. So yeah, I'll, I will I will read it. So it's one of those classics that as a, yeah. as a fantasy fan you should have read but i still i have i have a few as well i mean not yeah. as many as you but i do have and there's this is again my tbr list uh okay so before we jump into the into the interview that uh kj did by the way it's an amazing interview um kj why don't you just tell us like a brief um i don't know like a brief intro of what people will be will be looking at in the next uh, i don't know 20 minutes or so yeah yeah so lin Nguyen, she is a vietnamese canadian writer she is a debut author her first book she uh, she writes middle grade right now she writes middle grade her first debut novel is no place like home and basically this novel is about finding place and belonging as, as sort of 
almost like a, a Wizard of Oz retelling. But it starts, first of all, set in Canada. Um, Lan, who is an immigrant to Canada from Vietnam, is trying to find her place, her belonging, and her home. Um, her, she tells us a lot about her journey towards publication and how she actually got traditionally published with HarperCollins, her relationship with her editor. And it's a little bit, um, it's, uh, I don't know what the word is, Oscar, you're going to have to help me out, but it's not like a traditional, you know, get an agent, go on submission, you know, get acquired after, you know, a year or two because editors are really busy, that sort of thing. She kind of went in the back doorway, mm. which is really cool. But she also offers some really good advice and insight really for good. listeners and writers who are, you know, wanting to get traditionally published. You yeah. know, it is, it's a competitive world. It really is. And it's so hard to get out there like that. So, you know, Lynn is one of the options that, you know, writers like us, we do have to get traditionally published. But anyways... I'm rambling on now. No, no, it's perfect because yeah. I mean, recently we just did a, a, an episode about if you need an agent or not uh, that you can find in our in our in our um, channel. Uh, but yeah, I think this is a really important thing that we we talked about it back then. Like, do do you actually really need an agent? But there's other options. So I'm really happy that you brought that up, and I'm really happy that that's part of the conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Are you ready to dive in, Oscar? Let's do it. super excited to introduce Lynn Nguyen. She is a Vietnamese Canadian immigrant and writer who specializes in children's literature and creative nonfiction. Her debut middle grade fantasy novel, No Place Like Home, is hitting bookstores with HarperCollins Canada in March 2023, so it is on your bookshelves now. Lynn holds an, an HBA in English from the University of Toronto and an MPhil in Arts from and Creativity and Education from the University of Cambridge. Her work can be found at lynnsnoyan.com or more frequently on Instagram at lynn.s.noyan. We'll have all of her information right down below for you. And welcome, Lynn. I'm so excited to talk to you again. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited as well. I'm super excited. So are you excited about your brand new book? I am. Yes. Um, it's been such a long journey, which I feel like every writer says. Um, but I yeah. I mean, honestly, I guess in the grand scheme of things, it's not it's it's been what about five years, almost five years, not even. I started wow. writing it in twenty eighteen. So wow. Yeah, it's I've that's a while. been with this story for a while, and I'm very excited to release it into the world so that it's not just in my head anymore. Yeah, I feel like we all know that. Please just get out of my head yeah. and go somewhere else where someone else can enjoy it. <laughs> it's been haunting me. Um, so 2018, that is bananas. So I would love to know the journey you went from, you know, 2018, you have this idea in your head and how it got to shelves today. Can you kind of walk us through that? Yeah. So I uh, started putting it to paper in 2018. Um, I used NaNoWriMo as uh, a structure because I, I felt like the story was there and um, I really just needed some accountability. I had never written, I'd never written a full book that felt start to finish um like whole so i used nanowrimo got through the fifty thousand words in 2018 which felt 
very much like a big accomplishment at the time. That's a lot of work. <laughs> and then um, I think I put it aside for, well, 2019, I was trying to figure out how to edit it and to go about revising it. Um, so I had a bit of support with that just from people I talked to, um, but I didn't work on it a whole, whole lot. I think I cut it down to about 35,000 words. Um, so I, I cut away a lot of the the fluff uh, characters that weren't doing anything or stuff like that. And then um, in 2020, I was still sitting on my computer. I didn't really know what to do with it because I, I didn't really know anything about the industry. And um, didn't really know what the resources were, but I think I was on, on Instagram and I saw a post from HarperCollins um, about an open inbox and the open inbox was only open to um, middle grade submissions of BIPOC authors who were unagented at the time. And I was like, great, that's a very small category that I happen to fall nicely. Yeah. <laughs> you fit into yeah it's perfect perfect um, send <laughs> so I just I sent off this is like a, a second draft at the time I sent it off and um it was this was September and I heard back um in December actually that email is is framed on my wall but I heard back oh my god from, I love it <laughs> from Suzanne from HarperCollins who's the children's editor at the time um being like we really loved your submission um we'll take this back to the publishing group and like get back to you in the new year um but we're interested uh so it, at that point it happened really quickly because then we signed in January uh and that felt like a, a whirlwind I mean yeah it was it was wild I just I mean publishing moves very slowly except when it brief moments and it does really quick <laughs> I was like, oh God. <laughs> yes, I am aware of that. <laughs> so that was very exciting. And honestly, I was I was I was pretty shocked that it was picked up um at that stage in the manuscript because well when I, I hadn't actually submitted it anywhere else. I hadn't queried agents or I, I hadn't sent it off to other publishers. Um I didn't really know how to do that at the time. So it felt really, it felt really wild that it worked out in that way. Um, but also it was like a second draft. We, we went through, you know, over, we went through like, it's been over two years since, since they bought it. And we went through a lot of revisions because it wasn't really, I mean, I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful that HarperCollins saw the potential in it because it was picked up so early on and it was so drafty at the time. <laughs> And like, it's, I mean, it feels sucky to have to do it again, but, but it also feels right. Like when I finished number four, I think I was like, I don't know if I have another rewrite in me. And then, and then the edits came back and I was like, damn it. I, I, apparently I, I do because it's not done. <laughs> so I know when they bought the manuscript, it was about 35,000 words and it finished at around 66, 67, maybe. So I, I almost doubled it. Can you tell us a little bit about your, you're not no place like home. Like guys, you have to remember this. <laughs> tell us a little bit about it. the idea for the concept 
has evolved a lot since this, but it initially started in my last year of um, my English degree at U of T when I was doing um, independent projects specializing in children's literature. And I was looking at the genre of portal fantasies, which is the type of fantasy when um, someone starts in usually our world and then ends up in another through a part through a portal. And I was interested in why um, all the children went home at the end and why uh, in so many of the books that we read uh, at the end of the adventure, the kids are like, I want to go home now. It's time to go home. Um, and I think the most clear example is Wizard of Oz where the entire or her entire quest, Dorothy, is trying to get home. So that was what I was looking at through my my uh, undergrad research. <laughs> and the reason I was interested in that was because I just remember being 11 and wanting desperately to escape, like checking the mailbox every day. Like I just, I wanted to be in a fantasy world. And if I was there, I would not be like, get me home at once. I'm just like, like yes, no, I'm never home. going home. Same, same. <laughs> <laughs> so the initial, the very first draft, the one I wrote for NaNoWriMo, um, I pictured it as a reverse Wizard of Oz. And I, I plotted it out with the same kind of three points along the journey. So Scarecrow... Um, Tin Woodman and um, Lion in the Woods and Emerald City. So I kind of mirrored this journey through No Place Like Home. And in the initial draft, my my protagonist, um, who had a different name at the time, uh, she she was on a quest to stay. Like it was it was like the opposite. Like she wanted to find a way to stay in the world. Um, and then it evolved <laughs> so <laughs> through conversations with other editors and um other writers people who were able to give me some feedback on it um they they challenged that idea of like what does it mean to stay what does it mean to go home and like how can that be troubled and challenged and complicated so it's a bit more nuanced so then it, it started taking a bit more of a, an approach um, of redefining home and recognizing the fact that like, okay, when I was 11, I definitely wanted to escape. I wanted to stay there. But like, if you were like, never going to see your family again, you're never going to be back in this world. That also wouldn't have been very fun either. <laughs> so I... I started uh, to shift it and the narrative now is, is more of an, an exploration of what home means, especially as an immigrant where home is not as, as simple as Kansas. It's not just one place to go back to. Um, it's always going to be this kind of like mosaic limbo state. And so why, I mean, I found a lot of home in stories as well. So like, why can't that also be part of the puzzle? Um, so my main character, Lan, in No Place Like Home, in its final version, uh, is looking for answers on how to feel settled and reconcile her different ideas of home that can be many different places and complicated and, and nuanced. Um, 
Um, and so returning home is is more of an understanding of what it means to be home. Right. Oh, I love it. And she meets two friends along the way as well, I understand. Yeah. How do they play into the story? So, so she meets two friends along the way that are kind of like her guides in this world. And um, yeah, as I mentioned, I, I have... I have a cornfield scene and they have forest scene and then like Emerald city. So, <laughs> um, so it, it kind of, it does do like a bit of a mirroring wizard of Oz with different people that they, they meet along the way and different magical adventures and fantastical creatures and dangers and such. Um, but yes, the two friends do accompany her the entire way through. And these are encounters that they have. And my writing process was kind of just like, have those main points and then like fill in the blanks. <laughs> um, I'm super curious how fantasy can help us understand these incredibly, like particularly for a middle grade kid, this understanding of what home is and a kid, maybe first generation immigrant or an immigrant themselves, the home is also the traditions, the culture, this idea, right? So I'm wondering how fantasy married with, um, you know, middle grade genre, how you could use that to tell this story. Can we even tell a story without using this portal fantasy idea? I feel like, Portal fantasies and fantasies in general for me have always been a way to express and understand deeper truths about my life and my own experiences. It's, I think it was escapist um, at, at a certain time in my life. Like I think when I was 11, I definitely saw it as escapist. But um, as I grew a bit older, I, I feel like I, I, I write fantasy so that I can make sense of some of these complicated topics. I feel like middle grade is a really good age group to do it in because I, I love the cusp. Like I, I feel like age 11, age 12 is like right on the cusp of when, when you feel like you still kind of believe in magic or like really want to believe in magic and like still have that sense of wonder but are also at the same time coming to terms with the fact that it might not exist in the way that you think or the way that you expect um I know that was a very hard realization for me um I definitely remember being like wait does that mean I'm like never gonna I'm never going to fight a dragon. Like what? <laughs> I have to come to terms with this. Yes, loss yes. In my life. <laughs> I mean, you never know, right? You never know. <laughs> Still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I love how you say that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like it's a really good age group to work in because like you get that tension between childhood and like, maturity and I mean I I mean I complicate those definitions as well but between reality and fantasy and like you're just on the cusp of a lot of different worlds and like they're all kind of colliding which I feel like is just the perfect environment for fantasies to emerge from <laughs> yeah well, I'm really excited you know for this book I think it's fantastic um and I'm I've you know ever since I first met you it was a while ago now 
um, I was always so curious, but like she writes middle grade fantasy. I think that's fantastic. Um, I also know that you have formal education in middle grade fantasy. Can you, I think I'm correct in that. I, um, literature. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I studied literature. I, I wasn't writing. There's not a lot of writing programs for children's life, I don't think. Um, at least not at the University of Toronto where I studied. I mean, um, creative writing, like there's, there's very few courses in creative writing. And I think that there's a bit, you know, like you're really up against, I call them the Hemingway bros. I don't know if I should be saying this. on recording. You totally, totally say it. Totally say it. Hemingway bros. Sounds about right. <laughs> We're going to get a t-shirt just so y'all know. <laughs> Where, yeah, you get a lot of the Hemingway, like my creative writing classes were full of Hemingway bros. Where, and that's, that's what we were taught to write, you know? And like, I'm not saying it's bad. Like I, I, I read, I still read and love a lot of what I studied in my English courses being like Chekhov and Carver and Capote and Hemingway. <laughs> it's definitely not children's fiction and it's definitely not genre fiction. I actually, I specifically remember my professor once saying that like the only genre fiction worth reading is like Stephen King. So, you know, like th- that attitude comes up a lot in like institutions of higher education and in creative writing. <laughs> I applied to cre- UFT's creative writing MFA actually, and I, I didn't get in, but that's another story. Things really, things really work out in their own way. Um, but yeah, I, I studied literature and and I studied under Deirdre Baker at um at U of T who taught children's lit and she's amazing. And and I think she's one of the only um the only people in throughout my entire academic experience that like I could have serious conversations about children's literature with. And it was really formative. Like she was my supervisor for my independent research in my fourth year. So she she like guided me through the portal fantasy research and um, really helped shape a lot of that. And I was looking at it more from a, more from a, an academic perspective, but it's all so entwined. And um, yeah, so I guess back to after I didn't get in at U of T, um, I went to Cambridge. Um, very grateful that I went because it was an amazing experience. Uh, I I was also, you know, I I would say that um, my my academic research and my creative writing are are very much linked, but it's not like a lot of people think that I majored in creative writing, which I I didn't like I never did an MFA. I didn't do um, courses in my master's in creative writing, but um, I studied arts and education. Um, So I was studying arts as a way of knowledge making and arts as a way of um, challenging systems and understanding ourselves and our bodies and our desires, which is like so linked to writing. And I also uh, wrote a creative thesis for my master's, which, uh, which was like a piece of creative writing. It was a bit more memoir. And so I, I would say they were very, they were very intertwined, and uh, the ideas, f- the ideas for my books, often emerge out of the thoughts that are provoked by 
academic research. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a lot of writers, I mean, like I'm, I'm in a, a little bit of a way similar. What I took in university has helped to inform my writing a lot. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily related to writing at all. I mean, you are much closer than I am to, you know, your academic background, you know, married with your creative writing. It's like, you know, there's a unified whole there. Yeah. But I do feel like as writers, there's so much that we are interpreting. Like we are the interpreters of the world, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I mean, first of all, you know, your academic career, getting to where you are, but also how you were able to get this book deal. I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you're writing, No Place Like Home. It sounds like I cannot say it enough. I'm so excited for this. Um, all of that aside, I would love to be taken through a day in the writing life of Lynn. Like, what is your writing process? Even if it's cookies all day, just tell me, just give it to me. <laughs> um, I, so I think we actually met through Firefly, which... Uh, we did yeah. Firefly Creative Writing here in Toronto. I yes, freaking love Firefly. <laughs> Firefly is the best. They do so many amazing things. Yes, yes. Shout out to Firefly. <laughs> and I think Firefly's approach to creative writing is is really how I I think I I definitely need the discipline. Like I was I was taught to write like NaNoWriMo style, like churn out words every day. Um, I took a class in my my undergrad that was like you have to submit two thousand words a week um, so that you end up with like a fifty thousand word manuscript by the end of the year and like you don't have to be good words but um, and like we could just strike out what we didn't want the prof to read but like we had to have the words there on paper uh, so it it did really build in a practice of getting comfortable with. Um, shitty first drafts as Anne Lamott that built a lot of comfort with uh, staring at a blank page and like not being afraid to just go at it um, and then get out a certain number of words but I would say where Firefly's practice comes in is also just being really mindful and aware of um, what what you're feeling what where your surroundings are so I took a really good workshop with uh, Sophia Apostle uh, called Getting. Oh, I love Sophia. Yeah, she's she's really awesome. Um, the workshop was called. Uh, it was an eight part series called Getting Out of Your Own Way, and I I took a lot out of it because it was about writer's block and like writing, but being aware of your your surroundings and like what you need to write and. Yeah, so I I think I was just, I became a lot more mindful after that of um, setting up a space that works, getting materials that work for me. Um, I definitely do do the the long sprint. I, like I said, like I kind of plot out if this is the book, I know that these are the points that I want to hit. And then I do a bit of research, I guess, where I need to. And then I I write and I just fill it in and I write chronologically because um, I feel like when I started writing my my first attempts at novels when I was a teenager, I would write the scenes that interest me the most and like whatever I felt called to, which is great. And like, I, I think that is a good practice that works for a lot of people. Now I prefer chronological because um, I feel like I can't quite grasp what the characters are doing or what they've experienced or where they're at in their own journeys and their own lives until I've written up till that point. Um, so I, I do work chronologically. I fill in 
where I can um, and like really just try to get a, a bad draft out on paper where it's like hitting the big moments that like I know the climax is going to be here. I know the midway point has to be here um, and everything else gets figured out like literally while it's being typed out. Yeah. Yes. And I'm so excited for your book. I think I've said this a billion times, but I'm going to get myself a copy. I'm going to curl up. I'm going to power read it because it is middle grade and I can yes, probably do it for two hours. But then I probably sit back and read it again because I just love being a kid in fantasy worlds. Oh, <laughs> well, thank you so much, Lynn. This was so amazing. I'm so glad we got to connect again. Sure. And congratulations on your new novel. This is fantastic. I cannot wait to see what you're up to next. Thank you so much, Lynn. Okay, KJ, this was a great interview as always. Um, I, I think uh, I got a lot of out of it. I hope everybody who's viewing or listening, uh, they, they got at least something from there. Um, you know you know the, the book's there. You can buy it. You can get it out from the library, whatever you prefer. Um, is there any final thoughts, uh, KJ, or can we just wrap this up? I do have one final thought. And I think that even for traditionally or soon to be traditionally published authors, like I will be, um, talking to other authors and discovering their journey and their um, inspiration is always a good thing. You can always learn as an author and use your own, your own feelings, your own inspiration as a way forward through your career and never give up. I mean, I feel like Lynn is the story of never give up. So Perfect. that's what I have to leave it at. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Um, again, like if you like what we're doing, just make sure that you like and subscribe in YouTube yes. if you're watching us uh, in video. If you prefer the audio version, go and subscribe to our podcast under your favorite podcast app. Mm -hmm. um, also, uh, follow us on Instagram. And uh, yes. what, what's the hashtag, KJ? You, you know the hashtag. Why we know. write? Oh, the hashtag is why we write fantasy. You can also use hashtag WWF. We will be following all of that. We want to hear from you. Send us a DM. You know, like I, I, I love hearing from our viewers. It's really, really great knowing that we, we're making an impact with these writers. That's great. Okay. Well, thanks everybody for your time. Happy writing. Bye.